Hi and welcome to The Crime Pod. I'm Sam. And I'm Caitlin. This episode I'm keeping us down in England and I am going to tell you about murderer John Taylor. So, Caitlin, have you heard of John Taylor before? I've not, actually. I've not, so I'm looking forward to it. Me neither. And also, we should have. Just so add that to the list of every single episode we've done that we should know about. So, yeah. Um, I'll just begin, though. Uh, John Taylor, he was born in Leeds and he enjoyed hunting from an early age. He was known to derive pleasure from inflicting pain on small animals. He would catch and torture rabbits. He'd been seen stabbing a fox repeatedly while out poaching and also enjoyed clubbing pheasants to death. So we're setting the scene for a serial killer, really. But anyway, he had exhibited problems with his personal relationships, although he had been married and had a son who was born in 1981 and a daughter who was born in 1983. Now, the... I was going to say the early life and things of all the killing of the animals etc from the outside though John still came across as a very normal go you know friendly guy and there was no nobody would have thought oh you know he's really strange now the divorced he was divorced by the time and he was a parcel delivery worker and he lived alone in a terraced home in Cockshot Drive which is in Bramley which is in Leeds his neighbours like I said, thought of him as a trustworthy and he described him as ordinary bloke. But under the surface, as we all know, he was troubled. And he would also advertise for female companions and would travel across the country to have sex. Now, on the evening of the 26th of November 2000, Leeds teenager Leanne Tiernan, who was 16 at the time, was on her way home when she disappeared. Now, she was studying from her GCSEs and she had been shopping for Christmas gifts in the city with her friend Sarah Whitehouse. The girls had shared a bus ride into the suburb of Bramley and they parted near Sarah's home. Then Leanne then continued alone towards her own home, but she never arrived. John Taylor had been lurking in the woods, waiting for a victim. It didn't matter who it was going to be, but it turned out to be Leanne. As she walked alone along the unlit path known as, I want to say, Howley Gill or Jill. I'm really sorry for the pronunciation. And she frequently walked along there and she knew it. But this night, Taylor grabbed her from behind. Whilst there were no eyewitnesses, it was later reported that someone had heard a stifled scream. Now, Taylor put his hand over her mouth, blindfolded her and led her to his house. There he tied her hands behind her back and during the course of a sexual assault strangled her with a scarf and a plastic ligature. Leanne's parents, Michael Tiernan and Sharon Hawkhead, they were divorced and her father was away on holiday at the time. So when Leanne did not return home from shopping, her mother immediately reported her missing to the police. She described her daughter as happy, confident, streetwise and never having gone missing before. 
Now, Detective Superintendent Chris Craig of the West Yorkshire Police, he led the investigation in Tullianne's missing person case. Now, a week after her disappearance, investigators reconstructed her last movements. So her sister Michelle, who was 19, and the friend Sarah, wearing the same clothes as Leanne and Sarah did on the 26th of November, followed the same route home. Unfortunately, this did not produce any further clues. Leanne's parents both made emotional appeals to the public for any assistance they may provide in the search for Leanne. There were several reports of possible sightings of her, which police investigated, but nothing came from that. Complicating the police search was the fact that the area in which Leanne had disappeared consisted of vastly varying terrain. There were more than 700 houses, open areas, woodland, canals, drainage shafts and wells. Police conducted an extensive house-to-house inquiry and the search eventually grew enormous, involving uniformed officers, operational support, the dog section, the mounted section, underwater search and air support. On Monday the 20th of August 2001, nine months after Leanne disappeared, her body was discovered near Otley on the border of North and West Yorkshire, 16 miles from her house and several miles from the scene of the crime. A man out walking his dog, it's always the dog walkers, in Lindley Woods near the Warren Point car park stumbled across her body wrapped in a floral duvet cover and buried in a shallow grave. It transpired that a few days before the body was discovered, a retired couple had seen a man carrying a large floral patterned bundle from the boot of his car into the woods. Inside the duvet cover, Leanne's body had been wrapped in a green plastic bin liner tied with twine. Covering her head was a black bin liner held in place with a dog collar tied tightly around her neck. Her hands had been bound together with cable ties and around her neck were more cable ties and a scarf. The post-mortem examination concluded that the degree of decomposition of the body was inconsistent with burial in the ground for the full nine months since Leanne's disappearance. Investigators were therefore hopeful that enough forensic evidence would be present to lead them to the killer. Police officers, forensic and scientific experts conducted a fingertip search of the dense woodland where Tiernan's body had been buried and expanded this to cover an area of 20,000 square metres. Leanne Tiernan's funeral was held on the 28th of September 2001, which was a day after what would have been her 17th birthday. The service was held less than a mile from where she disappeared and close to her home. About 100 people packed into a small church where where she had been baptised, whilst others had to stand outside and hear a relayed version of the service, which was led by Sister Durbin. And she said that Leanne was a normal, happy, fun-loving teenager, half-child and half-young lady. Amongst those in attendance were her mother, obviously, and her family, and also Detective Superintendent Chris Gregg, because he had been leading it for over a year. Now, during the police investigation, they learned that John had often been seen hunting small animals, like I said at the very beginning but in the woods where Leanne's body was discovered. And so he was placed onto their list of suspects. 
Forensic investigators found dog hairs on Leanne's body and needed further information. So the dog hair DNA sample was sent to a university in Texas, which had developed a DNA profiling technique for pedigreed pets. The university produced a, a partial profile for a dog. Unfortunately, police were unable to link this to um, John because the dog that he owned at the time of Leanne's murder had subsequently died. This was the first time as well that dog DNA had been used in a British criminal case. Now, the knitted scarf that was found across Leanne's neck or around, sorry, Leanne's neck contained human hair in the knot. Initial conventional DNA tests of the hair roots failed, so forensic experts used mitochondrial DNA testing. So using these results, they managed to create a DNA profile from the minute amounts of DNA inside the hair shaft. And it was a match to Taylor, which I'm always, I know I say this all the time, but I'm just a wild with all this DNA and science stuff. Now, it is so clever. Like, it's that is crazy. So, so clever. Mm -hmm. um, John Taylor, he was 45 and was arrested on the 16th of October 2001 and he was taken to a police station in Leeds for questioning. Now, the police immediately sealed off his house in Cockshot Drive, putting up seven foot high wooden screens and began their search. Investigators dug up the garden and discovered the bodies of 28 ferrets and the skeletons of four dogs, one with a crushed skull. Detective Superintendent Greg commented, Taylor appears to have been an ordinary man, but he is not. He has a dangerous, extremely dangerous nature. This is displayed in the way in which he treated animals throughout his life. Further investigation provided more evidence in their case against Taylor. The tan leather dog collar which was found on Leanne's body had been made by a company in Nottingham. This company sold the collars to wholesalers, including a mail order company in Liverpool, one of whose customers were Taylor, was Taylor. The twine that had been used to tie the green bin liners around Leanne's body was of an unusual composition. It was traced to a manufacturer in Devon and, having originally been made for the Ministry of Defence, had more recently been sold for rabbit netting. Later, in a search of Taylor's house, police found an exact match of the twine, as well as a piece of green plastic which was identical to the bin liners used to wrap Leanne's body. The yellow cable ties used to bind and gag Leanne had been manufactured by an Italian company who sold 99% of them to the Royal Mail. And John Taylor worked for Parcel Force, which is a division of Royal Mail. Red nylon fibres were discovered on Tiernan's jumper and found to have distinctive dye patterns. These fibres were matched to those found clinging to nails in the floor of Taylor's house. Now, he had previously ripped out a red carpet and burned it in order to destroy evidence of Leanne's presence in his home. Now, police investigators questioned uh, John's ex-girlfriends, who revealed similar stories of 
his um, love of tying up women and unusual fantasies um, of sex. Now, one woman claimed that he had told her of his desire to have sex with her 15-year-old daughter. Now, the West Yorkshire police were certain that Leanne had not been Taylor's first victim. So Detective Gregg's team were further investigating other major crimes committed over the previous 20 years to see if Taylor had been involved in them. They focused on four in particular. The first was the 1992 murder of Yvonne Fitt, who was a sex worker from Bradford and her body was found in a shallow grave in the same woodland where Leanne was buried. The other three were Lindsay Jo Rimmer, who disappeared in 1994, Deborah Wood, whose body was found in 1996, and Rebecca Hall, who was found in an alley in Bradford in 2001. Now, they, in the end, John was not charged for anything in connection with these ladies, and I believe they still remain cold cases, with the police seeking for any investigation at all from the public. Now, each case has also been on Crime Watch in the past to appeal for public information. Now, Taylor's 2002 trial was held at the Leeds Crown Court and presided over by Honourable Mr Justice Astill. Taylor was represented by defence lawyer Graham Stowe Bateson, and despite the extensive evidence against him, Taylor only admitted to abducting Leanne and not to killing her. His version of events was that she had fallen off his bed and banged her head. Believing she was dead, he had lifted her using the scarf that was around her neck, and that must have been when she died. He had panicked and buried her body in Lindley Woods. Results of the post-mortem examination on Leanne's body had concluded that the degree of decomposition was not consistent with burial in the ground for many months, as Taylor had suggested. The judge therefore concluded that the, the defendant had kept the body for some time between three weeks and nine months in his deep freeze, perhaps as a trophy or to avoid detection before burying her in the woods. Judge Astill said to Taylor, you are a dangerous sexual sadist. Your purpose in kidnapping this young girl was that so you could satisfy your perverted cravings. This was a planned, premeditated encounter. It was a cold and calculating act and the suffering you caused was immeasurable. Prosecutor Robert Smith QC claimed that the state of Leanne's body when she was found meant that it wasn't possible to establish for certain whether or not she had been sexually abused. However, Smith claimed that Taylor's motive for killing her was clearly for the purpose of sexual gratification. Now, on the 8th of July 2002, showing no emotion, 46-year-old John Taylor pleaded guilty to the kidnap and murder of Leanne Tiernan on the 26th of November 2000. Taylor stared straight ahead as he was sentenced to two counts of life imprisonment, during which the public gallery cheered and applauded. Now, Judge Astill recommended that Taylor serve 25 years before being considered for parole. Whilst Lord Wolf CJ later reduced this to 20 years, saying this was more in line with current practice, Taylor can most likely expect to spend the rest of his life in prison. He was sent to the maximum security Wakefield Prison, which is home to other infamous criminals, Harold Chipman, Ian Huntley and Roy Whiting, which I believe we've got episodes on them all, so feel free if you want to know information on them. Now, following sentencing, Leanne's mother, Sharon Hawkhead, said, 
Although John Taylor has been locked up, our agony continues. We feel nothing for him. We are pleased that he has been locked up so he can't do this to anyone else, but life should mean life. Now, police had warned that whilst Taylor had no criminal record before being charged with uh, Leanne's abduction and murder, he could feasibly have killed before. Now, in the investigation following Taylor's arrest, police had embarked on painstaking reviews of unsolved cases of sexual attacks in the area. So not just the ones that I mentioned earlier. So by October 2002, Taylor was being questioned in connection with the with these 1980s assaults. The first occurred on the 18th of October 1988 when Taylor, armed with a mask and knife, attacked a 32-year-old woman as she walked across some waste ground near the place in Leeds and he forced her to commit a sexual act on him and then raped her. The second was on the 1st of March 1989 when a masked tailor armed with a knife broke into a 21 year old woman's home and it was lunchtime and her baby was in another room at the time. He forced her into the bedroom, undressed her, blindfolded and gagged her and forced her to perform a sexual act on him and then raped her. On the 3rd of April 2003, Taylor pleaded guilty to the two rapes before the Honourable Norman Jones QC and he sentenced him to life imprisonment without the possibility of parole for a minimum of 30 years. The sentence for that was to be reduced by 8 months and 26 days because he had already spent that long in prison from the previous conviction. Now, for this, there was even a television documentary that was made and it's called Killer in the Woods. So you can listen to that if you want to. And I believe John Taylor remains in prison to this day. So that's the story of John I'm really Taylor. surprised I didn't know that. Me too. Really but I feel surprised. I say that all the time. But then I suppose if he's not been found guilty of the other ones... Yeah. It could be that it's not as well known. I think if he was found guilty of those women, it would be a lot more well known. Yeah, absolutely. And from the very beginning, when you start to mention the whole killing and torturing of animals, you just know this person is not going to be a good man. Oh, yeah, it's a huge sign, isn't it? 